0: Guys, we are in Lesson 12 today. We're going to look at two other areas about our uh, walk with God, our, our, the basics of the Christian life, and that's going to be worship and service. Worship and service. Next week, we're going to look at another two areas of the Christian life as we conclude our time, and that's going to be uh, the issue of um, fellowship, and solitude. So we'll talk about those two areas next week. So as we start today, let me just go ahead and kind of go back over some foundational thoughts, because especially as we get into worship, and especially as we get into the whole issue of service, there are some foundational thoughts that we need to just kind of refresh ourselves on as far as when we've been going through this lesson, okay? The first one is, is that the Christian life is not a set of actions that must be completed. I've been trying to stress that with you over and over throughout this study. When we talk about the Christian life, we're not talking about just a specific set of actions that you have to do in order to do to be accepted with God, in order for you to be a good Christian. Again, that's the performance trap, guys. Remember? We talked about that with reference to the lesson that we're going to be doing after this series, the Search for Significance Significant Study. That's, that really is... A trap. Because can you keep everything perfect as a Christian? Can you give perfectly? Can you attend perfectly? Now, do, you know, can you do all this stuff perfectly? No, you can't. Because, okay, let's take the giving thing. Let's say you're, you're very faithful in giving, but let's just, just, all of a sudden, your engine goes out on your vehicle. And now you've got to buy a new vehicle. Plus, around that time, when it rains, it pours, doesn't it? So the engine goes out on the vehicle and the heater goes out in your house, and you've got this unexpected bill that showed up, and so now you're kind of stretched in financially, but in the back of your mind you're thinking, well, for my acceptance with God, I need to what? Give, and so because you can't give, all of a sudden you start to feel like who's not going to accept you? God, you're not a good enough Christian because you're not performing. Do you understand what I'm saying? And let me just say to you, folks, junk happens. So, okay, if you base your base your acceptance on God and, and your walk on God based upon how many times you show up here, you know, there's a nasty flu bug going around. And you just when you think everybody's got it, somebody else gets it now. Do you, you know what I'm saying? And it's nasty. You know? And you can't show up that Sunday because you're sick. And So now, if you base it on that, you're like, well, I'm not a good Christian because I missed. You know, that's not it at all, okay? It's not a set of actions that must be completed. Here's the other thing. The Christian life is a relationship with the living God. That's what we need to see. That's what we need to focus on is that when you talk about the Christian life, it is a relationship with the living God. So I'm not talking about a set of actions that need to be completed it is a relationship. Now th- the next point I want you to see there is this uh, the Christian life is similar to a marriage relationship. So okay let's take it for let's take that aspect. When you talk about a marriage relationship you can't reduce it down to a set of actions that you do during the day. So I mean for guys you can't reduce it down to well I make sure that she has coffee in the morning when she gets up. And I make sure that I sit down and I talk to her when she gets when I get home, you know. And I and I make sure that I rub her feet and you know. And, and you can't reduce it down to that. Okay, that might be good one day, but five days in a row she's going to wonder. Did you know what I'm saying? She's going to be like, "What's up here?" Because it's there's nothing spontaneous there in that relationship. It's just ritual. In fact, you would. Guys are creatures of habit you probably wouldn't notice, but for her, she will. She will notice. So it's not ritual. It's a relationship. The same thing's true with God. You can't reduce my time down to God to every morning I give him 15 minutes and I do these certain things. You can't reduce it down to that. You're talking about having a relationship with a living being. And it's not the same every day. Not the same every day. How many of you... In fact, what I was thinking about, years ago, how many remember the movie Groundhog Day? How many remember watching the movie Groundhog Day? And you remember in that he's living the same day over again, over and over and over again, okay? And remember, there was a scene there, one of his one days that he's living over and over again, he has a a date with whatever with this gal. So the next day he tries to do it again. And and after a while, you know, it's the same. It's no longer the spontaneity is gone. You know what I'm saying? Because he's trying to relive that relationship every day. And after a while, it just messes up and flubs up. You know, that's the same thing is true in our lives. You can't have a relationship. Spontaneity needs to be part of your relationship. That's so true with your relationship with God. So when you talk about the Christian life, you're talking about a relationship that needs to be spontaneous, Okay? So it's similar to a marriage relationship. Here's the other foundational thought when we're talking about things here. It's a relationship from which we live out our salvation. Here's the other thing. It is the process of sanctification whereby we become like Christ. So when we talk about the Christian life, we're really talking about the process of sanctification where we become like Jesus. So What we're going to talk about today is there are two areas that reflect the relationship with Jesus, worship and service. So that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time today. We're going to look at specifically these two areas, worship and service, because those are two different components that we need to reflect on here today as far as the Christian life. So first of all, let's talk about worship. Worship is often seen in terms of a song service at a church. Usually when you talk about worship, a lot of people think in terms of the music service at a church. In fact, you'll hear people say things like that. You know, I, First of all, negatively, if I went to the church and I just couldn't get into the worship. How many of you have heard that? I just couldn't get into the worship. Or the worship is really good over there. What are they talking about? They're talking about the music program at a church. So in their mind, they've reduced it down to, when you talk about worship, they're talking about worship in reference to the music service at a church. Okay? So worship is often seen in terms of that. Now, here's what I want you to see. Worship is not necessarily an action, but an attitude. When we talk about worship, though, from the biblical standpoint, we're not talking about an action. We're not talking about you showing up to a service and singing the songs when the songs are sang. And we're talking, though, about an attitude. It's not an action. It's an attitude. It's your heart attitude. Okay? So when I'm talking about worship, I'm not talking about necessarily an action. Although worship can be reflected in an action, I'm talking about your attitude. Okay? So, what's the central issue with worship? The central issue with worship is the condition of our hearts towards God. The central issue with worship is the condition of your hearts towards God. So, let me just stop for a moment. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible that in a song service of a church, you could be singing... But not worshiping. Is it possible? Because you can go through the motions of the song service. In fact, you could even enjoy the music. In fact, it may be a good song, and it causes how many of you? How many of you? There's certain songs that just cause goosebumps to go up and down your back when you hear. Them. You ever had songs like that? You know, I've been at concerts. I've been in secular concerts where it just caused the goosebumps. I So you do understand? Now what's that worship? Not true worship may have been another type of worship, but here's what I'm saying. You can go and do the action and worship never be a part of it. So what is worship? The central issue in worship is the condition of your heart. It's really reflective of your attitude and what your heart is towards God. You know, the story is told long ago, a guy, you know, he had a dream, and in his dream he was at the song service, and an angel came up beside him and said, do you see what's going on here? And the guy says, well, yeah, I see everybody singing. But then he noticed that everybody was singing, and their mouths were moving, but he couldn't hear anything. And people were going through the motions of the, quote, worship service, but he couldn't hear anybody uttering anything. And so he asked the angel, he said, what's going on here? Why is it that I see everybody is doing worship, but I can't hear it? And the angel said, this is what God hears. Because the reality was, is they were going through the motions. It wasn't truly worship. It was just going through the motions. So, the central issue is the condition of our hearts. Now, Look with me, John chapter 4, verse 19 through 24. This is a key passage. It's from the discussion that Jesus had with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And I want you to notice what she's asking Jesus a question here. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain. You Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Jesus said to the woman, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father who is seeking such to worship him, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a Spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, now here's what I want you to see. A couple points come out of this passage when we talk about worship. We think of worship in terms of location. I'm going to church so I can worship God. We think in terms of worship with reference to location. I have to go somewhere to worship. That's what we normally think. In fact, that's what's reflective of this This lady at the wells discussion with Jesus. Where do we worship? Now, here's what I want you to see. You can worship God anywhere. You don't have to come here to worship Him. In fact, that's what most people think. If you view church in terms of a a, as a service to attend, you think in terms of a place to go to worship. But church is not that. Church is the group of people that you go to grow to become like Jesus, to be edified, to fellowship with one another. So if you remove that aspect of it, the reality is is that you can worship God anywhere. Because isn't that what he said to her? The hour is coming when you'll neither go to Jerusalem nor to Samaria to worship. You don't need to go to Rome. You don't need to go anywhere. You can worship God anywhere is what he's saying here. Now, here's what of the other point we're going to see. Uh, let's see here. The next one there, guys, is worship is centered upon truth. Worship is centered upon truth. So when we worship, we want to worship God because it's centered upon truth. Worship is centered upon truth. It's not a mindless worship. In fact, We'll see here in a moment what that truth is. By truth, we specifically mean, actually the next slide there is, well, let's go ahead. By truth, we specifically mean the person and work of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about worshiping in truth, that's centered upon truth, my worship is centered upon the reality of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for me. Now, what has he done for us, folks? Yeah, he died on the cross. He took care of all of our sins. He gave us eternal life. Okay? So my worship is going to be centered on the truth. Now, what's, what, what other aspect of it is, this is going to dominate your thought, if you truly grasp this when you talk about worship. When it's centered upon the person of Jesus and his work, the reality is, is that my acceptance with God is not based upon who, folks? Me. My acceptance with God is based upon who? Jesus Christ and what He's done. That's going to change your whole focus of worship. Do You understand what I'm saying? When you realize the great love that He has shown you, out of you should pour out love towards Him. Because you realize, He doesn't see me based upon my past actions and my failures. We We see ourselves based upon that, don't we? When you get up in the morning especially if you're at a low point in that day, maybe you're struggling with a little bit of depression, you're going to be looking in the mirror and you're going to be saying, yeah, look at that schmuck. And what you're going to be thinking is your failures. And oftentimes we think in terms of that God sees us based upon that. He doesn't. If my worship is centered upon truth, I realize that my acceptance with God has nothing to do with me. It has to do with Jesus. You say, "Are you sure about that?" You know, I just was recently in my devotions reading through First, Second Kings, First, Second Chronicles, and the amazing thing to me how many how many remember David, the King David? What kind of guy was King David? It was a man after God's own heart? But I mean, what kind of guy was really King David like? Yeah, I mean, an adulterer. I mean, he had a thing for the ladies can't have as many wives. I mean, he had a thing for the ladies. And then there was a lady he couldn't take. He took her. Then she got pregnant. He tried to get, you know, tried to finagle it so that somebody else is considered the dad. I mean, her husband. But her husband's got more integrity. He won't do it. So he ends up doing what? He gets the husband murdered. Okay? So, I mean, in, in our culture, that's scandal. I mean, he couldn't run for office now. Okay? I mean, do you understand? Now, here's the interesting thing that I found, though. When I'm reading through 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, whenever he is referenced later on, whenever God talks about him, does God talk about his failures? No. God talks about what, how he sees him a man who loves me after his own heart. See, that's how God sees things. Okay, you say, well, that's just David. Let's go through it, man. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Gideon. I mean you go through them when you go I mean one thing I like about the Bible is is that it presents these heroes of the faith, but it presents the reality of who they are. Paul, I mean Paul just flat out said, I'm the chief of sinners. I persecuted the church. I killed the church. Do you understand? So here's what I'm trying to say to you. When you approach him in worship, I worship him in truth. And what's the truth I center on? It's only because of you, Jesus. It's not because of me. You accept me in spite of me. You accept me in spite of me. Okay? Now, let's go back here. i got a couple ones. Recognize that God is a spirit. So when I'm worshiping him, I need to recognize that God is a spirit, so that's going to help me grasp the reality that I can worship God anywhere. If God is a spirit, where is God? Everywhere. Everything is, is, you know, he's everywhere, so you can't hide from him, David said in the Psalms. You can't hide from him. He's everywhere, so I can worship him everywhere. Now, let's go on. The next thing there. You cannot worship God without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Here's the reality. You cannot worship God without the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, when you become a believer, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for what he has done for your salvation, nothing else. At that moment, the Holy Spirit of God enters into your life. Ephesians tells us that he seals us to the day of redemption. He's our guarantee. But the reality is, notice what Jesus said, there's going to come an hour where you you don't need to worship here, you don't need to worship there, but when you worship him, you're going to worship him in what? Spirit and truth. The key thing you need to understand is, is that when you worship him, you can't worship him truly without, number one, the spirit guiding you in that worship. Because the Spirit guides you in every aspect of your life. Remember when we talked about about prayer? You can't truly pray to God unless the Spirit guides you. Because what does the Scripture tell us? We don't know how to pray. But the Spirit intercedes for us. So when you truly worship Him, it is the Holy Spirit who is guiding you to worship God. Okay? It's the Holy Spirit who is guiding you. Let's go on because we're running out of time here. Worship takes place on three levels inward outward and upward so when we talk about worship worship is going to take place on three levels in your life it's going to talk about inward outward and upward you understand inward outward and upward now you say okay what's that mean george well here's what it means first of all inward worship reflects my thoughts towards god inward worship it's reflective of what goes on inside of you towards God. What is your attitude towards God on the inside? Inward worship takes place throughout the day whenever you think of God. When you say to him, thank you, Lord. Thank you for answering that prayer. God, thank you for getting me out of that tough spot. God, I love you. It's an inward thing that's going on. It's your inner thoughts. Nobody else knows what's going on there. It's reflective of where you are inward. Inward worship reflects your, my thoughts towards God. Outward worship reflect, is reflected in how I live my life. Remember what Jesus said? If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Don't See, here's the thing. The Bible is not into lip service. It's not into people walking around and saying, I love Jesus. But then they don't do anything, Jesus says. Because that's called what? Hypocrisy. In fact, that's why a lot of people outside of the church look into church and they say that the church is filled with hypocrites because they see a bunch of people who give lip service, I love Jesus, but then they're just doing what everybody else is doing throughout the week. Okay? So when I talk about my outward worship, it's going to be reflected in my actions towards other people. Okay? Outward worship is reflected there. Upward worship is reflected in song, praise, and thanksgiving. It's what I do out loud. So some of you worship in the shower. Because you're singing songs to God in the shower. You know what I'm saying? Some of you worship as you're going about the day. Some of you worship as you're giving thanks throughout the day. Some of you worship as you praise Him. So upward worship is reflected in song, praise, and thanksgiving. Okay, the final section here we're going to look at then is service. Let's talk about service now. This is the other area of our Christian life. When we speak of service, we're not talking about a position. Usually in our churches, whenever we talk about service, we usually think in terms of a position in the church. Teaching Sunday school, being a trustee, being an elder being an usher, you know, being on this committee, being a pastor, being a missionary. So usually when we think in terms of service, we think in terms of positions. We're not talking about that. That is not what the Bible is talking about. Do You understand in the early church, they didn't have Sunday school teachers. They had teachers, but they're always, you know, just like with pastor and stuff, they're not lifted up as these super-duper positions that you need to attain. In fact, whenever, I think it's interesting, they need to teach this in seminary. I've been to seminary. You know, whenever you read, when the apostles start out their letters, even especially specifically John or, excuse me, John or uh, Paul or Peter, they start out their letter by saying, Peter, or Paul, an apostle. They didn't start out, The Most High Reverent Apostle Peter. You understand? They start out reflective of where they're at. So it's not an issue of position. We make things into we, especially in our culture, the bigger the position, the better you are. That's not reflective in the Scripture. So we're not talking about a, a when we talk about service, we're not talking about position. Service is more than just holding an office in a church. So when I'm talking about service and it's being a part of your Christian life, I am not talking about you attaining an office in the church. Okay? We're not talking about that. So what are we talking about, George, when we talk about service, with, with, specifically with issue with regards to my Christian life? Well, service is my actions towards others in the name of Jesus. So when I talk about my service for Jesus, I'm not talking about how much I volunteer at the church. Okay? Although we do need you to volunteer for certain things as they happen. But when we talk about service, I'm not specifically talking about your actions here at the church. What I'm talking about, though, is your actions in general towards other people done in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a difference. Because now, I'm talking about you serving, not just in the confines of these four walls, I'm talking about you serving with reference to what? The whole community. The people around you. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now let's go on now. Here's the thing. Here's the other aspect of our service. We have been gifted for the benefit of the church. We have been gifted for the benefit of the church. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7 says here. There is a diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So he gifts us, every one of you here, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, He has given you gifts to benefit everybody else around you. They are gifts from the Spirit of God for the benefit of the whole body. So you are gifted for service. We have been gifted for the benefit of the church. Now here's the other thing. Service is about using your gifts. Service is about using your gifts. Now every one of you here has a gift, or two, or three or four, or five, whatever. Every one of you has gifts. That gifting was given to you so that you could use it in service for Jesus Christ. And you say, now what does this have to do with my Christian life? What does this have to do with my relationship? Well, here's the thing. A lot of people don't realize that a very important aspect of their walk with God, their relationship with God, is using the abilities that God has given you to serve Him. So, you know, here's the thing. If I know that my children have abilities and they're not using them, you know, as a dad, I'm going to encourage them to use their abilities, whether they be musical or whatever. I'm going to use them so that they can be fulfilled and become all that they need to be. But a lot of us here, some of you, some, even my, me at one point, have abilities that we do not use. For whatever reason that God has given us, maybe we think, well, nobody's going to like it, or maybe I'm not a good enough job. Some of us have self-pity parties. Well, I never do good anyhow, so why try? Okay? You, do you know what I mean? The reality is, is God has gifted you for a reason and it's for service, not just within these confines of these walls, but without. So, for instance, so like we had a young man here. This happened about five or six years ago. We're in a small group, and we're really promoting this idea of serving each other in our Bible study. And one guy's got a problem with his vehicle. He can't afford to take it to the mechanic to get the, get the job done. I think it was a head job. You need to replace the head gaskets on it. And in the group was another guy who had the ability to do the work. So God gave him the ability to take apart an engine. It wasn't me. I don't know how to take apart an engine. You don't want me coming near your engine. Okay? Uh, Or you will go to the mechanic to clean up what I did. Okay? But this guy, so what this guy did is out of love and service... He helped out his brother in that group to get the work done. He did the work for free, as a, and all they did was just pay for the parts. That service, folks. Now, nobody else knew about that, and I knew about that. We didn't toot the horn and say, here's what so-and-so did. But do you, do you think God noticed that? Do you think God noticed the service that was done in his name for that brother? Do, do you think? See, this is what we're talking about. Service, it's a part. Of, now, how do you think that guy felt, the guy that did the work? Hopefully, he felt good about it. Okay? And how about the guy who was blessed by it? How do you think he felt? He didn't have to pay for the big, huge gasket job. He just had to pay for the part. Do you, you see what I'm saying? So service is using your gifts for the benefit of others. Now, here's the other thing. Here's the final thing we're going to see. Service is about obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to that illustration. Why do you think that guy helped that guy out? The guy wasn't even asking. Yeah, God led him to. The Holy Spirit told him, you've got the ability, help that guy out. See, this is the thing. Now, here's the thing. Some of you say, I wish God would speak to me wish God would speak to me, tell me what he wants me to do. I, I can already believe, I, here, I, I, I believe he already is speaking to you. We're just not paying attention. Because for some of you, God is talking to you about maybe a neighbor, a relative, or a friend, maybe a co-worker, maybe somebody within this church that's going through something right now, and God is saying to you, why don't you do something there in that area? And here's what we'll say. Well, first of all, we'll just brush off the idea. I ain't got time for that. I don't have time for that. Or I don't want to be nebbing in other people's business. You know what I'm saying? That western Pennsylvania term nebbing. I don't want to be nebbing in, you know, what we say in South Carolina, is I don't want to be sticking my nose in other people's business. Okay? Nebbing sounds better than that, doesn't it? Okay? I don't want to be nebbing in their business. I ain't got time for that. Well, you don't know what's going on in my life. And so we make up all kinds of excuses when we sense in our heart God putting a thought there to help somebody out. And the reality is service is about being obedient to what God tells you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Service is about being obedient to the leading of God. So if you're here and you notice that somebody has a need and God's saying to you, help them out, It's not about you. In fact, you want to write this down. The Christian life is not about you. The Christian life is not about you. The Christian church is not about you. It's not about me, it's not about you. It's about others. It's about God and others. And you're going to grow in your relationship with him when you realize that. It's not about me. It's about others. In fact, here's what we've noticed here in our church. When we have been focused on ourselves, us few and no more, in our holy huddles, we were dying. But when we began to think in terms of others and what their needs are and helping them and bringing them into contact with the person of Jesus Christ, we have life. That's what service is about. It's about life. It's about getting out of your comfort zone and helping other people. You understand? In the name of Jesus. Okay, next week we're going to talk about two polar opposites. We're going to talk about fellowship, about how you need each other as far as your Christian walk, how you need to be with each other. All right? And then the opposite of that is we're going to talk about how you need to be alone. Both are important to the Christian life. We're going to talk about how you need each other, and then we're going to talk about how you need to have some time alone. Solitude. We're going to talk about fellowship and solitude. That's next week. Let's let's close our time with a word of prayer, and we'll get ready for the morning worship service.